broadcasting from the live network studios in West Atlantic City, New Jersey. It's the Quizzo Trivia Podcast with your hosts, Nick and Drew. To participate, tweet us at Quizzo Podcast or send us an email at info at quizzopodcast.com. That's Q-U-I-Z-Z-O. Now, let's get to the show. All right, everybody, welcome to the podcast. A lot going on here as a uh, recap of the initial podcast that we did for the full first Quizzo 2017 NFL mock draft. Now, Nick and I are back to talk about the actual picks, which we did not get uh, particularly right, but I think a lot of the sentiment we felt, uh, all in all, was uh, very positive. So that was certainly something. And um, what we'll do, I guess, is run through the first round, give initial reactions. Uh, do you want to go player by player, pick by pick, and just uh, breeze through it? Or do you want to just give general stuff, division stuff, uh, that type of thing? What's no, I don't think we need to go pick by pick. Let's get a general sense of what surprised us. Uh, it was quite a night. Uh, we were in Philly last night. We got to be with the uh, pro football guru. The pro football guru. Huge shout out to Russell Baxter, who was uh, awesome last night, writing like 12 different articles for 15 different sites. Uh, uh, how about hearing the story was that guy's one. got? Uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, his stories are, are legendary, and uh, it's an absolute honor to get to spend time with the guy and to learn from him, uh, especially being in the football world. I mean, that is a self-made guy uh, who did things the right way and uh, had an unbelievable uh, stint with ESPN and continues to do great stuff in the NFL and is one of the best uh, best in the business. So we got to hang out at Chickie and Pete's, which is also one of our clients, long client of uh, the live network. So shout out to them as well, and they put on a... Uh, a great draft party out in Philly, and uh, certainly better than being among uh, 200,000 people not being able to hear anything. Well, we certainly have a long history of watching the NFL draft together. I can remember uh, an apartment in D.C. when you didn't sleep the entire night before because <laughs> the, the Jets, Jets had, had four first-round first picks. picks. I just sat around all night pacing because uh, I was absolutely, uh, you know. I'll also never forget being in a trailer at... Jazz Fest in New Orleans when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers. Absolutely. When he fell. When he fell and, all the uh, way down and Alex Smith went first and uh, the talk was that Smith and Rodgers were going to go 1-2. Uh, but, of course, we all know what happened. And uh, how many teams, 20, 24 teams passed on Aaron Rodgers before the Packers took him? I don't sounds know, about right. I think he was somewhere in that mid-20s range. I, I should have the exact number in my head. But Well, uh, I love a young quarterback with a chip on his shoulder. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's uh, to me, you, you, you get a guy who wants to come in with something to prove. And when you talk about a guy with a chip on his shoulder, I think you can start uh, right at the center of Deshaun Watson because this guy, all he has done in his college career is win. He wins, wins, wins. He's on a dominant team on an offense that has these first-round players taken every single year, and he is the architect of it. He lost to Alabama in the championship game and came back and beat him the next year. What else would you want from a guy? Uh, limitations. You know, here's the here's the knock on Watson. The knock was his interceptions were incredibly high in college. 17 interceptions uh, his final season. He doesn't feel pressure well. You could watch multiple different plays where – he has his eyes on the pressure and not downfield, and he doesn't make progressions and reads very frequently, and he takes off too often. In the NFL, that's not going to translate as well. And his arm strength was mediocre. Not terrible, but mediocre. However, you look at a guy like Dak Prescott, every single argument that I just gave you about him was also attributed to Prescott, which made him fall to round four. Actually, the DUI also hurt, <laughs> so he fell to round four last year. You take all of those things into account, 
Dak Prescott won nothing in college. He beat nobody in college. This guy beat everybody. <laughs> well, I've been a critic of Mitchell Trubisky, and it's mostly because he went to UNC, and you know I'm no fan of the Tar Heels. Yes. He checks every box. His completion percentage is there. He has the arm for the NFL. Uh, he sure looks the part, great size, all those things. But I think the best situation that any of these quarterbacks are going into is Deshaun Watson's situation There's in no Houston. Question. I mean, very little expectation at where they drafted him. Sure. And the you know where where Dak came into a great offensive line and all a the same dynamics are right rookie, there. R- rookie running back, exactly. I see uh, Deshaun Watson just hitting the ground running with the Texans. They have a now great th- defense. They're saying they can keep them in the games today. In defense of. Uh, Tom Savage, who's a guy that a lot of people have high expectations for, they're saying he is still the starter and Watson is going to be taken slowly, but you can only assume when you give up that much, including a number one next year. And now the Brock Osweiler mistake comes full circle. We know what that cost to Houston, Texas. And Nick, listen to the final price tag. You ready? In addition to two first-round picks, a second-round pick, $21 million. Uh, That hurts. Yeah, so Rick Smith basically recognized that his job was on the line, and if he didn't get a quarterback to solve their problem long-term quickly, he might not be the general manager of the Houston Texans much longer. So this was a move for his future as much as anybody else, and it buys them both a lot of time. And honestly, with the mind Bill O'Brien brings to the table— I have a hard time believing Watson's not going to thrive in that. It's the perfect environment. It's a yeah. There's warm a lot of teams team. out there that need a lot of pieces, and in that situation, you cannot be giving away draft picks. The Texans have a great defense. He's already got chemistry with line. their number one wide receiver. They have they, they check all the boxes exactly. <laughs> He's got chemistry with their number one wide receiver. I would not be surprised if during the latter stages of this draft, because the Texans do have two fourth round picks as well. If in the latter stages of this draft they added some of that Clemson offense to complement what they have and bring some familiar faces to Deshaun Watson, you have Jordan Leggett, a tight end, who is one of Watson's favorite targets uh, at Tennessee. You have Artavis Scott, uh, a wide receiver, uh, in addition to Mike Williams, who's a good return guy. You have uh, the running back uh, also available for uh uh, for Clemson, so they, they they can surround him with some pieces and and keep building there. But I think Houston did the the smart thing. They got a guy who's the long term solution. Maybe he's not a top, you know, five guy, but I think the potential's there for him to be between a five and a fifteen guy, somewhere in that range in, in quarterback. And and in this league, that's enough. Uh, they have they've been getting by on bottom five guys, so. And making the playoffs. All right, so the draft started with no surprise as Miles Garrett went to Cleveland. And good pick by them for them and sort of something I think they had to do. If you're not sold on Trubisky as being the absolute quintessential friend, they they shouldn't be. The guy only started 13 games. He lost three of his last four to teams like NC State and Duke. He doesn't have a body of work to say, oh, this guy's Andrew Cleveland also falls in line with a team that's just not ready to win anyway. So they 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 send this kid, Trubisky... To the Wolves, if you draft him there, number one. Here's the and... knock on him that I think is hard to get over, and it's it's beyond the fact that his mother made him be called Mitchell, which I just you know that's hard to get past. But okay, so let's start. Let's stop with that. <laughs> We're gonna we'll give him Mitchell. We're not gonna call him Mitch. We'll respect Mitchell's mother uh, of the professional athlete about to make millions of dollars. Mitchell's mother. Um, so I totally get that. But fine. Okay. Here's the issue. You played on UNC, and you could not win that starting job. Till your senior year. And the reason you couldn't is because the coaches made the determination they could win better with a guy who ran like a slot uh, or ran an option level 
offense. Yeah, which is very could... popular in college. Now, okay. So. Well, the, the point is, the reason why wasn't because of your physical skills. It was because of your leadership skills. They felt the team was responding better to their previous quarterback, uh, Markel. Oh, geez, I'm forgetting his name, but Markel Wilson. So, um, I'm not going to go back and look at that, but okay, whoever the QB was at UNC, and I totally blew the name, so I apologize, but I will correct it at some point in time. Uh, the point is, he was not anywhere in the physical range of what a Trubisky is, right? And the coaches still made the decision, let's not give this guy time to develop, let's roll with the other guy because the team's responding better. That's pretty damning. When you have an organization like Cleveland, it's hard to bring a guy like that into the, the you know, I think a guy like Mahomes, who has this natural aura about him, who has this swagger immediately, he would have been a good fit. I don't think Trubisky would have been a good fit. Too much expectation, not the right situation. Credit to Cleveland because they did recognize that. And I don't know that Watson would have been any better. Watson's in a great spot. He would have been in a nightmare in Cleveland, Nick. He would have been in a nightmare. And he would have been in a bad, yeah, long-term too, situation I think it's too early him. to give Cleveland credit for anything. Uh, okay, but we, I, I'm we'll, just we'll saying see what happens. I, I, I can't fault them for not being sold on Trubisky. It's That's a miserable what I'm life as a fan of a team when you don't have your quarterback. That, that, there's no question. And they have not solved anything. But So the Bears, who signed a guy for three years, $45 million, they signed him for one year, $15 million, is really, really what it looks like to yeah, me. essentially. And I think they got a guy who's going to be able to play football. Sure. Uh, he reminds me in that Andy Dalton talk of a guy who's not going to necessarily be a top 10. But he's going to be there playing football player, for you. But he's going to play quarterback. And now the Bears' job is to load this guy with weapons sure. and get a defense, a nasty defense. He could win with a good defense. We've seen that time and again. You could certainly win, with a, win with a good defense and a middle-of-the-road quarterback. And yes. if this guy is Andy Dalton, then I think that it was okay. It, I, it was a lot to give up. I have a really hard time believing that the Bears made the right decision there, but okay, you, you only do that type of thing Well, was for, it too much to give up? For, I mean, I think that the Niners fleeced them. That, well, the Niners did flee. Listen, it's not too much to give up if Trubisky works out. Okay, no, that's no, the bottom line. No, no, it's not too much it's to give up. It's not too much to give up if he works if out. He works it out. is way too much to give up if he does not work out. Right. Uh, because they, they and really— And I think he'll work out. I think he will. Uh, of everybody in this draft— No one's going to complain about think, a couple of third-rounders I think he'll be in the, I think he'll be in the league in But seven, let's talk years, about the Niners because i got to give credit. You know, this is a, a first-time duo here in Shanahan and Lynch, and they put together the draft of drafts because not only did they set themselves up for the future by adding all of these depth picks— in a very deep draft, they came back at the bottom of the first round and landed Reuben Foster to compliment Solomon Thomas. And it immediately brings me back to what the Niners used to have in their glory days a decade ago. Well, when we did the mock draft, you talked about how it's so easy to draft for the Ravens because you know exactly what the Ravens want to do. Right. Well, now I know exactly what the 49ers want to do. That's and they're they have punch an you MO. in the mouth. They have an MO. They're going to get nasty on defense. on defense. They're going to be a John Lynch, you know, Tampa 2-style defense. I love it. I love every part about it. And it makes me excited for football because that's a good division. You know, when you got oh, Arians, yeah. you got Seattle and Carroll, you got the Niners getting better. I mean, can you we'll imagine about it was Rams, like four years but... ago or so? We thought Seattle and the Niners would be going after it every year, head to head. Yeah, and the because Niners when Harbaugh left, though, fell apart. Well, Harbaugh left. They had a lot of uh, dis- yeah, they, they had a lot of Harbaugh discord in the, the general, front office, the general manager, right? Yeah. And now they're all gone. So <laughs> now it's just the owner. So this is a good duo, and and they really did themselves. Uh, uh, proud the first night because they gave themselves the ammo to move up and down the draft as they see fit. They can go all over the place. Uh, there's nothing the Niners can't do. So, you know, we'll, well see Blake, what happens. Blake Bortles has to be a happy man waking up this morning and knowing that he's got Leonard, Leonard Fournette. Fournette. I mean, Tom Coughlin uh, had the best quote. I love how simple Coughlin makes it. 
He goes, I watched tape of this team last year, and they had a tough time getting in the end zone. You can't win football games unless you get in the end zone. This guy can help us get in the end zone. Sometimes it's that simple. Huh? It, re- it really is. And you know what? He's right. He's because right. I-, I watched guys like uh, Ivory, who barely got on the field last year. I told you when they signed him as a free agent for six and a half mil a year. Now, if you think about what Peterson just got, what Marshawn Lynch is getting, think about six and a half million for Chris Ivory. It's a disgrace. So yeah, I don't know where they keep getting all this money from. They spend well because they don't have they anybody a ton that they pay. Of money. They just you know even guys like Jonathan Cyprian, a safety they drafted a couple of years ago, who was a great player, they let him go in free agency. Right. So I he signed that. he signed his next contract somewhere else, which just it, it doesn't make any sense to me. But okay, so Coughlin's coming in with hopefully a new Coughlin attitude. gets there and puts some stability in the franchise. Uh, but I love what they did. Yeah. It's going to be very exciting Build uh, on watching the that offense. That, or at least there's no excuses now for well, that offense. Plus, it helps their entire MO because if they're going to be a defense-first team, they were ranked sixth last year in overall defense. They have uh, a lot of pieces that they've added and good pieces. Calais Campbell coming in in free agency. If you have this type of running game, a clock control running game to complement that defense, that's a formula. Absolutely. That's at least something in that division that I think would have a lot of success. So you got to like what they did. It's it, And it, now you know. I mean, if Bortles can't win six games this year or seven games, it's he, time to move done. on and you can address it next year. Right. I, I hope they get him right. I, 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 I root for the guy. I hope he has a bounce back year. There's I, no I reason thought there not. was something there they two all, years they ago. They have all the pieces in the world. I don't world. know what happened that last year. That should be a though. dominant offense. It, they have a franchise. You know, he's supposed to be franchise QB between the Robins, uh, the Allens, and, uh, and Fournette. They have a lot of pieces. And uh, – who do they add in t- as a tight end? I feel like they shipped out Julius Thomas, but did they add somebody? In no, free- I thought that they were looking towards maybe adding a tight end in the draft. Yeah, so, you know, the rest of the draft is still right there for them, and they pick at the top of the second round. There's still a couple prospects left worth. Next off the board came a guy I love. Now, was it too early for him? You guys can make that call, but he looks the part, and boy, did Marcus Mariota need this guy? Oh my God! On his team. Uh, listen, here's the thing: the Titans. I'm scared of the Titans right the, now. The Titans picked twice. They picked at five and eighteen. If you flip those picks and had gone corner five, say you got Lattimore at five, there's nothing left at eighteen. That you know, in the top ten, all three receivers went. So Mike Williams, John Ross, Corey Davis, all gone by pick nine. Okay, if they had waited till eighteen. The only viable option in my mind would have been O.J. Howard. Now, are you happier with the draft that was Corey Davis and Adoree Jackson? Or would you be happier with the draft that was Marshawn Lattimore and O.J. Howard? Because to me, that was the draft they could have had. And they could have come back mm-hmm. in round two and gone with the Zay Jones at the top of the round. Uh, tons of wide receiver prospects that would have been... Uh, really, really solid players. Now, if Corey Davis becomes a solid number one, but right now he's battling injury, he's 85%. There's no guarantees. He did play at a small school, and we all know that doesn't affect wide receivers in the same way it does other players. But I just look at that draft, and I say, would they have yeah, been Yeah, but I don't think with... that they would have any okay. idea to know that okay, so OJ would be there at fine, 18. Fine, fine. But how about this? How about Jamal Adams at five? You're telling me that they're, with that, you can't name a single guy in that secondary. Adams at five and anybody at eighteen would have been better than what they did. So yeah, they made a mistake there. I guess you, could you say, should not have, listen. They, they they saw this guy. They wanted him, and I don't blame him. Sometimes he wasn't going to be there at their next pick. That, so if you want a guy that bad, that's the logic. You it take was, him. They made the right call in that if that was their guy, and they just had to have him above anybody else on the team, and that was the only position that matter they had to be labor laser focused on that they made the right call because everything it's was gone the biggest by need it's the biggest sure. need on the team and a guy who just looks like he could do it for sure a decade I, there. I, I don't have a problem with the pick with i just question whether or not you would rather have had the reverse that's all all right that's all well, i'm saying well if i go there at 18 
what am I thinking? I have left. I would think I would have that slot receiver left, and that's not what I'm. No, you would have been so. going. You would have been going uh, tight end, and if Howard was off the board at that point at 18, it would have been Ingram. You know, it would have been somebody like that. Yeah, I would never have thought OJ Howard was making it to 18. No, and and that was honestly one of the great you know surprises of like this draft. Delaney Walker still has a lot left, and. Yeah, he puts he, up he does. He does. So, but that's, I'm okay with I, it. I just don't think that the premium on tight end versus your true number one receiver is anywhere in the same. And, and that's how most teams look. Most teams were like, Howard may be the best tight end prospect in 10 years, but a tight end is still a tight end. Teams play without one all the time. So Yeah, this was the one receiver in the draft that I don't think anybody had anything to say about. That's just the injury. As... He's just, you know, he's a little banged up right now, but he seems to be on the mend. So you had us... to love it as a Jet fan ah. because that meant you were going to get Jamal Well, I was, I was sitting there saying they'll go quarterback possibly if Adams is taken at pick five or I was doomed to looking at Lattimore, right? So that's mm-hmm. kind of what I was a little bit scared of. But when they called Corey Davis's name, I knew immediately the Jets are not oh, passing I turned on to you. Jamal I Adams. By the jersey. By the jersey. And, and you know what? Like... Listen, for those out there who think the Jets should have taken a quarterback, and there were times when you know I've mock-drafted uh, a quarterback to the Jets just to see how the rest of the draft plays out. Can they get a good safety in round two and round three? Throw that all out the window. They got the best player in the draft because what this guy is is he is a culture difference maker for an entire defense. He is the Ed Reed uh, and Ray Lewis combined into a human being. Uh, you know, it's he, so you're high on him. Well, I'm very high on him because he's not. <laughs> he's the player Reed was, but he's the leader Ray Lewis was. He's the vocal presence that this defense desperately needed. Somebody that can organize everybody, that can be accountable, and that has this insane passion. I'm going to give you my NFL comparison. You ready? Go ahead, Brian Dawkins. Jamal Adams is Brian Dawkins, a guy that's going to come popping out of the tunnel every play, lead that defense, be the guy. I don't think there was a more popular guy on the Eagles for a decade than Brian Dawkins. How many great Eagles defenses were led by Brian Dawkins? And if this guy can become Brian Dawkins, then this was the pick of picks. And I think for Jets, uh, for the Jets and Jet fans, they did what they did several years ago, which is let the draft come to them and take the best available player. Uh, Leonard Williams well, turned out pretty well. take the best well. available defensive player. Well, yeah, but, I mean, he's the best available player, period. Right, I'm saying so, in the past, the Jets are... Yeah, yeah, we, we How draft many years in a row just, like, every year. defense? They the just draft round. defense every year. Like nine years in a uh, row? It's, Is it's, it that it, many? It's an insane number. Um, you know, if they've had multiple first-round picks, maybe that's changed. But the last... See, the last three drafts... The no, it's funny. When you Jets, think of a team like the Jets who've been led by a defensive head coach uh, for many years, mm-hmm. do you think it makes more sense to... Draft offense early and try to make something happen with your defense as opposed to loading up on defense and trying to hit gold in the second, third rounds with offense because it seems very hard for them to turn to, to me, a mediocre offensive player into a good I, I, pro. I don't disagree, and we'll see what happens. They have a new regime now as far as their offensive coordinator, so it's hard to know what that group is going to be I'm thinking about. I'm not really but, saying specifically. I'm just saying, yeah, in yeah. general, do you think it's a good philosophy no, to I think it's, your it, your strength or your weakness? I, I think every draft is different and every position in your draft is different, so it's hard for me to just kind of blanket a a concept out there. I think what they do on a year-to-year basis is look for the best available player. I don't think that last year was the right pick, and I don't think the Calvin Pryor draft was the right pick. I think there were guys, like, if if I'm being a, a realistic Jet fan, they drafted Calvin Pryor when they were sitting there with no QB and Derek Carr uh, sitting right on the on the board. 
you know, Johnny Manziel was on the board. I totally get not drafting him because him in New York would have been the ultimate But we've talked fire. about how sometimes teams will stay away from a player because they went to the same school. I think Derek Carr fell there was because m- they were comparing him to his own brother. That's fine, but the Jets were in no position to pass on Derek Carr the no. year they passed on I mean, him. Look back on uh, it. For Calvin he, Pryor, he, a he box can't, safety. He, I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. So, like, to me, like, you take the chance. If you find out the kid can't play, great, but they didn't have anybody. You know, who was the quarterback back then two years ago or, or the last year of Rex? You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, advice for all Jeff fans: don't go back and look at your old drafts. No, you don't want to do that. But <laughs> but this was the right pick for them, and and I don't want to spend too much look time to on the future. I don't want to spend too much time on the Jets. But the last three drafts they've taken: Darren Lee, uh, uh, Leonard Williams, and Jamal Adams, and that's kind of a leader on each of those position groups. So you're trying all right, to I'll build buy into a, that. I'll buy into you're, that. You're trying to build a a stalwart in each of those categories, and then supplement them with guys in the later rounds. So there was no there was nobody else to take there for the Jets. Perfect pick. Uh, love it. Can't he, wait to. Uh, he's fired up. I, I love him. So, and his dad, his dad won a championship gangling. in New York uh, for the '86 Giants, George Adams. So, you know, yeah, I did see he was drafted ahead of his dad. Which when he, he was told ten he years was old, he do. made his dad a million dollar bet, one million dollars, if I'm drafted ahead of you. And uh, he got paid on that bet because George Adams was the 19th pick in the first round. Um, Boy, I hope his dad was well invested <laughs> to make that payment. Seriously, I went to the kids like, hey, pay up, pops. All right, so. Uh, Mike Williams to the Chargers, really interesting. I'm scratching there. my head. You know, Philip Rivers loves deep balls. Uh, to to you know, remember when he had Vincent Jackson, and there was a lot of just kind of let's throw it up and hope the big guys can go get it, and we'll I, see. I just the Chargers fall in line with one of those teams to me. I just don't know what they are or what they're trying to do, and this just seems like a... I think they're in a transition in general of their whole team because uh, they're moving cities. They have a guy that I really question is the head coach, Anthony Lynn, who I, I don't know. He was a running backs coach two years ago. He got to be an interim coach for like a, you know, a half uh, of two games last year when Ryan got fired, and then the Chargers hire him as the head coach. I, I Look... Well, I saw they blew the most fourth quarter games where they had the lead of any team last year. It shows me just a lack of leadership, and especially on defense. So if it was me with all of these great defenders still on the board, I would have addressed the defense here. Well, I I think that they probably weren't as sold on Malik Hooker as everybody thought they were, and he would have been a great fit for them. But look, looking at the board now, Nick, in second round, there is a ton of safety talent there. So that's true. The Chargers that's could true. be coming I back mean, in if, round two. If they could be, predict the future. Yeah, uh, but legitimately, they pick pick six today, right? Second round pick six. Okay, everybody's there for yeah. them. So you know, if you yeah, want they're going to get to pick Obi up somebody on If you want, uh, certainly a receiver with Mike Williams' talent would would not be there. So. No, and so the receiver class is really very limited, comparatively speaking. To this that, is so. another head scratcher for me, and I know that a lot of people had him going here at eight. Um, Christian McCaffrey to the Panthers again. I just I don't. It's it seems to me like it's not a need uh, to to go that high on a guy uh, for at running back, and they've been better served over time having later round picks contribute. I mean, Jonathan Stewart was a first round pick, and McCaffrey does offer a very special set of skills. And of course, I mean, they've never had a running back I've been excited about, or at least they haven't in years. But, but to me, when I think of the Carolina Panthers, I just think of a nasty defense. I want to know why this seems like a waste a to me. a team that's going to beat you like 17 to 14 or something and find a way to get first downs in the fourth quarter and just grind you out. And, you know, I just, again, I would have addressed the defense here. Here's what seems like a waste to me. McCaffrey's the best route runner in this class, okay, both among wide receivers and running backs, and certainly the best route runner for a running back in almost ever, probably, at least being graded. 
Okay, that's being almost graded. that's almost completely negated when you have an inaccurate quarterback like Newton. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like it yeah. means nothing that the guy can run pr- crisp and precise routes when the quarterback doesn't have any sense of timing or accuracy and is used to having these big giant bodies go up for passes. So that seems strange to me. Yeah, you're right. It seems it doesn't more like if he was Cam like a guy it. who could take the ball in space and make people miss. He likes to chuck it downfield to ten, Ted Ginn. He, he likes to open down. the field. Yeah, it's not. He, he's not. He, like, I Even Greg know. Olson, his tight end, is you know he throws a lot of deep throws to He's, to he's him, just a very so. inaccurate quarterback. So that's yeah, I he, think that's the biggest he issue. He needs a big body to throw to. And, yeah, I don't, right, Bengals, I don't know why they went there. Bengals go John Ross. I mean, there's, this <laughs> no, is I'm a, really scratching my just, head, Drew. Look, look, look. Here's the thing. The guy's a football player, but I don't know if the guy has a football body. And that's the problem. So, you know, at 5'11", 188, The Nick, guy has a track athlete's body. I, A.J. Green can't stay healthy. I don't draft skinny guys in the top ten. Yeah, just, I mean, look, he set any the, he set the all time forty record. He's got great tracking. He's got very good hands. He runs okay routes. Um, but the, it's not that even that he's a one trick pony. It's that this guy couldn't stay healthy on a college level against college competition at, with that body. Yeah, they're type. bigger in the NFL. A little bit, <laughs> just a little bit. So I, I you and know, faster. Right, and now I get harder. it. The Bengals were probably locked in on wide receiver. And they were probably praying Corey Davis was there at nine. They probably thought they'd have a choice between Davis and Williams. I would guess at nine when they were, you know, spe- specking this out, they thought to themselves, we're going to have one of those two. And then they panicked and went with Ross. Well, it was funny because, uh, you know, it's now actually legal to uh, place a wager in Vegas on some draft props. Sure. And uh, so I took a look at some of these. And uh, Educational we, purposes we, only. We, we were scratching these. Well, like I said, it's legal now. Right. To, Educational uh, purposes only. Put on some uh, action in Vegas on the draft. So the uh, over-under for wide receivers taken in round one was two and a half. <laughs> Vegas knows. Pick nine. It was done. Done by pick nine. Yep. So And it didn't go higher. I'm, there was I'm no sure fourth. the Bengals weren't expecting uh, just him there. And yeah. I don't know, though. You, sometimes you got to go off the position if your guy's not there. I don't see their need at wide receivers being so much greater no, than they, they could use. No, they invested a high-round pick last year in the kid from Pittsburgh, uh, so, you know, Taylor Boyd, and they're hoping he comes along. So yeah, you know my philosophy on well, teams that just keep drafting wide receivers early. I can't, uh, I can't believe they didn't take O.J. Howard here because disaster. Eifert is going into the final year of his deal. You know they're not going to pay him. <laughs> so, Jeez, like, really, it just, you almost forget they right. passed on OJ Howard. Like, that, for I mean, that guy looks like he should receiver. be in a Bengal uniform for the rest of his life, and it would he would do very, very well for that team. So, I don't really get that. <clears throat> um, but okay, uh, next pick with the Chiefs. I told you, real quick though. Let's yeah. just touch on this for a second before we get off because sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure. thinking, who was the last undersized wide receiver that went in the top ten of the draft that produced? Because I'm not thinking of any. It's like. What's the upside here for these guys? I don't recall. I'm thinking Tavon Austin. You wish you had that one back. Of course. Ted Ginn. Solid. Uh, you know, Ted Ginn's career has been good, but he was a bust in Miami, especially for pick nine. Well, anyway. So. Well, the Kansas City Chiefs do it, and they do it big, Drew. <laughs> and, I mean, talk about a guy who's different than Alex Smith. It's it's They, got. <laughs> they literally, Kansas City fans don't are not going to know what football looks like anymore because they're going from a guy who throws a cotton candy puff in the air. I mean, this is really exciting. If to you're a Kansas City fan, you have to be psyched. You, uh, I'll give you a amazing statistic, Nick. Kansas City has not drafted a quarterback who has won a game for them since Todd Blackledge. 
Okay, that that can't be right. It is. They haven't drafted a, a quarterback, a single quarterback who has won a single in the start first round. Them. No, anywhere. And, and I don't I'm, even know what to say. Black, what is that? Eighty three? <laughs> is he part of that class? That make, that makes it even worse. Uh, he was though, right? He was part of that eighty three class. Wasn't he was he? part of that eighty three class. Oh, uh, well, they had the right year. They had the right year. Uh, but that's, I mean, it's just... I don't know if we'll be talking about these quarterbacks in the same uh, light as the 83 group, but uh, they've got somebody that can throw the ball down the field, and with the weapons on that team, uh, I'd be psyched if I'm a Kansas City team. You already have a nasty defense that really takes it to you. Let's prove this theory really quick uh, since 83. Give me any year. Let's just pick a year, and we'll see who the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback was. Oh, you know what? I don't even have to worry about it because the top passer is listed over here. God, I love Pro Football Reference. Big shout out to Sean Foreman and Pro Football Reference. This website saves me so much time. Oh my God, he's like a hero. Yeah, uh, they just know what they are doing. But um, so let's see. We got the because you have the leading passers here in every single year that they were the uh, uh, that they played, and the top passer. Let's see, Alex Smith. Uh, Matt Castle, Thigpen, Heward, Trent Green, Elvis Gerback, Rich Gannon, Gerback, uh, Bono, Steve Bono. Remember Steve oh, Bono? Joe Montana, Dave Craig, Steve DeBerg, uh, somebody named Kenny, somebody named Fuller, somebody named Livingston, somebody named Dawson. Yeah, Dawson. Know that name? Len. Len? <laughs> Yeah. Do you know who the last QB to win a game was, Nick, that they drafted? Len Dawson. I thought you said... No. I just looked. I, I made a mistake. It was Len Dawson. All right. Well, <laughs> he... that's going to end quickly. Yes. This guy's going to win him a game. And uh, it was just two years ago that they went almost the whole season or the whole season without a wide receiver catching a touchdown. Uh, so when that happens, you're obviously uh, not doing something right on offense. So great yeah. move by them. They go into the top ten. They get their guy. Patrick no Mahomes doubt about the it. Second, who you know, and... Nick and I talked about on the mock draft podcast. We love this guy. He's he's a gamer. He's got the intangibles. He comes from uh, the right pedigree. Uh, he Brent, got Brett Andy Reid, and, and now I mean it's the perfect unlimited thing. physical. That's exactly tools. what he needed—a coach like Andy Reid that can teach him a quarterback NFL guru, football. literally. And oh, and, yeah. and Reid was smart enough to recognize I've got the perfect situation for this kid because he can come in with no pressure. Alex Smith has two good years left. By the time Smith is ready to call it a career, if it's next year, if Mahomes advances, or the year after. Oh yeah, I would think Alex Smith is on a one short, year, short yeah. leash year. Well, let's say one, maybe two, depending, but. Definitely one, and I could certainly. You, just, you never know what second. this is. Sometimes these kids come in and they're ready mid-year. to go. It could, it could be. be mid-year. I mean, he could how be many Russell times Wilson. are they going to lose in the playoffs uh, sure. in the early rounds before they make all, the switch? All I know so, is Kansas City is not going to be worried. It's going to come down to how fast uh, Andy Reid can get Mahomes ready, and you know the sky is the limit for this kid, really. Yeah, he, he's a talented player. So then the Saints come back with Marshawn Lattimore. I don't think anybody's surprised no there. Top cornerback on the board. I don't like him. I have a, I have a feeling he's going to be D Milner part two in that he's talented but not healthy and he'll never be healthy and he's never going to stay healthy. I mean he looks good to me. I think it's really hard to evaluate these cornerbacks. It's it's sort of something that it's sort of above my pay grade. I I can't really tell who's going to be good or who's not. Three be words good. I saw on his scouting. I remember report. thinking Revis was going to be good, but easy to go back and there were, and there were remember three that. words on his scouting report that I saw on every the, website. Charles Woodson I watched. and uh, Deion Sanders were the last guys that I thought were no miss at the position. So. 
And the three it's words, risky. the three words were perpetual hamstring injuries. Oh boy, yeah. So that you know, that's what scares me. He he's had them a, for a long time. As a Mets his, fan, and, his uh, senior year was the first year he managed to get past them to some extent and play. So we'll see. Then the Texans make one of the big splashes of uh, of the day and trade up with the Cleveland Browns, who just do not want a quarterback under any circumstances. Um, I absolutely love this move by the Texans. They desperately needed a quarterback, and from what I I've think, seen, we pretty much touched on all of this at this point. So just hit it. So yeah, let's, uh, let's moving see. to the Cardinals, they go with Hassan Reddick, linebacker from Temple. Interesting pick. I think they were locked into a quarterback, and then there was no. Well, he was left the hometown guy, there. so the cheers really hit when he yep. went off the board this early. I wasn't expecting him to come off. Uh, in the first half of the if you had draft, told, if you had told me last year that no Hassan Reddick was going to get drafted and higher than Reuben Foster, I would have laughed you out of the building. But you know, one diluted sample later, and uh, a argument with a staff member at a uh, a hospital, and Foster is all the way at the bottom of round one, and Hassan Reddick's pick thirteen. Well, so. all accounts, he's a great kid. He's going to. A- Great situation in Arizona. I can't wait to see what they do with him. Absolutely. Then the Eagles, of course, come back with uh, Derek Barnett, a player that if you heard uh, this podcast a couple days ago, I'm absolutely in love with. I think he's a stud. Reminds me of Trent Cole <clears throat> as far as the Eagles go. Well, and, if the Eagles uh, see an all-time sack leader from Tennessee, then they got a chance of taking him. Huh. That's, They're going to take him. We had one of those. And yeah, he, was, he, he, worked was, he worked out for us. I think we should get the second one. So good for them. Uh, Malik Hooker for the Colts. I don't think there's a surprise there. They needed a center fielder. They need everything on everything. I would have loved to have seen them line. take an offensive lineman there. But yeah, you know what? I think there's going to be I got no great, with the pick. great number of them available in the second round. Yeah, or maybe it's just not a great year for him in general. It isn't. Because it isn't but like the guy my, I had my is man the Dan one. Feeney. Is sitting there. He's a Still Indiana available. product. Yeah, he, yeah. Supposedly, the reason he keeps dropping is concussions, which right. is a scary thing for people. Sure. So, you know, Ravens come back with Dena, a University of Alabama player. What a surprise. We talked about how the Ravens just draft Bama players. Their defense is basically former University of Alabama players. They've got at least four of them now starting on their team, which is pretty incredible. And now you add Marlon Humphrey to the mix. Uh, Nick loved him, uh, had him go into the Saints, I think, all the way at 11 in our mock draft. And, um, yeah, and this surprised me. I thought Reuben Foster would go here also. We had him in the, in you the know, mock going there, and it just wor- seemed like a perfect fit. Word was, in retrospect, they felt he was very, very close to C.J. Mosley in terms of the type of player he is, and they already have one, but they don't have a corner that they need. And, you know, Ravens were always known for having two lockdown, shutdown corners, and they just added... Uh, Tony Richardson uh, at safety and free agency from Arizona, who I think is going to be a great Raven. He's got that Raven look to him. So I think their secondary is going to be a lot better. So I, these, uh, these you know, I can totally see that. The one position on Saban's defenses that make me nervous drafting is cornerback. Sure. Yeah, because he's got the a team huge is history. so good. Sure. And I think it takes a little bit of pressure off the corners. There's no question. There's no question. And there's still more Alabama players to come as there were. I mean, I was actually nervous when the Packers took Haha. Ha. I mean, I wanted them to take him. Don't get me wrong. I was very happy with the pick. But just because of the corner history, I was sure. worried maybe it was a defensive back history. And I mean, that's turned out great. He's a Pro Bowl safety. And that's actually pretty amazing if you had told me that Marlon Humphrey would have been the first University of Alabama player drafted. I think that was. Jeez, would, is that right? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, okay. So his teammate went off right after, which this right. was a three no of the brainer. Next, three of the next Washington. four picks were, yeah. were Alabama players. But, yeah, but you're if right. you told me Humphrey was the first one. I would have thought he would have been the fourth or the fifth. Right. I wouldn't even know if he had guaranteed first round player. So, 
you know, the Redskins, no-brainer of the century, Jonathan Allen. Barring injury, he should be a steal uh, for them in pick seven, uh, 17. Uh, they had nobody in the interior. In fact, you know, I contemplated Sheldon Richardson ending up in a trade there for some later-round draft picks because of how weak their interior rush is. Uh, now this really helps that team. Oh, and, yeah. And, this uh, was a he's pick also, they had to make here. It's also great for them because they got him with a chip on the shoulder, and he's got a lot of people to prove wrong. Uh, a lot of people that pass on him, so I think that's a good situation. Titans hate this pick. Uh, just absolutely really? hate it, Nick. I hate it. See, uh, I'm, I'm surprised you hear that. Nah, because they're, I'm not feeling they're getting him for his punt return ability, I think. You, really, you don't, you don't draft a kick returner pick 18 overall. Yeah. And, and to me, eight Ador- return Adore- touchdowns. Adore- I mean, you can't even punt to this guy at his at his pinnacle from a defensive standpoint. He is a slot cornerback, okay? which is valuable. Can in, be, and he could be a very game. good one. I I don't doubt that, but. The returnability is certainly there, and they needed that, and I and I like that they have that dimension added to them. But at pick eighteen, I just yeah. felt like there was so much there it, that could have helped them. It was the, definitely the, early the for next him. Guy I didn't expect off this. the board. You added Corey Davis. You got Marcus Mariota. I said to you when this was going on, they could come away with this with OJ Howard and Corey Davis for Mariota. That sets that offense up for the yeah. Next when OJ Howard falls to you there at eighteen, so you're telling me you're going to let the Buccaneers do that to you now? I mean, now Jackson, they're going to get was, Mike Evans. He's probably going to be a first rounder, but there's a chance he, you know, there's a chance he could fall. There's a lot of guys like and Adore now you look Jackson. at it with uh, there's a day lot of two guys like him coming up. There's a lot of good talent in the secondary still on the board. So yeah, yeah. That, I mean, if you had it over again, I'll, yeah. I, so Buccaneers uh, grab Howard at nineteen. Great pick. I mean, they're just I just that can't wait to up. see this offense. Oh. And I want every part of it I can get. Absolutely, they just got to keep building the line. They got to do what the Indianapolis Colts, uh, Indianapolis Colts, didn't. And, right. And now make it's sure time you can to address the line. Absolutely. Winston, get a decent running game. You don't need to reach for running backs now. They could come no. back with a guy in the fourth round, like a Brian Hill. Throw him behind that. There's so many guys that will be good for that team. Sure. Um, and you know what? Here's a dark horse possibility for you. They could trade up to get Dalvin Cook. Well, if I, mean, I was the Packers, me, I would be taking phone calls. Well, they are. The Packers are, in fact, taking phone calls. The word is all out today. I can actually read you from uh, Pro Football uh, Talk where they— This uh, makes me so happy. It's the the, head, the <laughs> headline from Ted Thompson. I, wait, till, wait, till you read, wait till you read what he actually says because it's such a brilliant quote uh, from Ted Thompson that is so absolutely— uh, Packer-esque uh, in everything that they do. Um, so, report. Ready? Report. Deshaun Kaiser in play for Packers at number 33. <laughs> <laughs> okay? That's the greatest. Packers general manager Ten Thompson traded out of the first round last night, landing number 33, picking a deal with the Browns that would then let the football world know he was open for trading again to kick off the second round. According to a report by Ian Rapport of the NFL, that's not the only option. The Packers are seriously considering Deshaun Kaiser. You want to talk about a guy that knows how to play this game? There's nothing this better. This is the guy you want. This guy has Aaron Rodgers in his prime, and he is going to make some idiot team think that there's a chance he's going to draft Kaiser to groom him so that he has How a trade How excited piece. was he when Cleveland called and said, I'm going to have the first pick of day two for you and the first pick of day three to move back four spaces. Uh, it's just Nobody better incredible. at it in the business. Uh, Packers GM on tonight's first pick. Come and get it. Okay? <laughs> Ring the dinner bell. Via Rob Domovsky of ESPN.com, Thompson made it clear tonight's first choice, number 33 overall, is very much for sale. Quote, this is quote, oh yeah, you can put that down, Thompson said. That will save us a couple of phone calls. 
We're taking calls. <laughs> <laughs> you know he's taking calls. Okay. Did he sleep last night? That's the question. Mike. Nobody sleeps last <laughs> night. I mean, I think, you you know, when you're in that world, you at 3.30 in the morning, you crash out for about three and a half hours, four hours. You get four hours of sleep. Listen, my body needs six hours of sleep, and then I can't sleep anymore, right? I just get up, and I start doing whatever I have to do. So I think when you're even more wired, you can pull that off on about four hours and then, you know, keep going, maybe get a power nap in the middle of the day. But most of those guys are working late into the night, burning it at both ends and, uh, you know, good for Ted Thompson because the Packers just do it right every year, folks. You want to know how to run a franchise? First, you get your citizens to be the owners because then you don't have an owner to, to screw it all up. And, uh, and you build through the draft. And you build through the draft. You never let your good free agents hit the market. You get them signed early, and you build through the draft. And when you have a guy you want to cut ties with, you make sure you get a good compensatory pick for him. So uh, the next several picks, we got to run through them a little bit faster now uh, because we spent so much time on that. But, you know, Garrett Bowles to the Broncos. I, I think it was a great pick. No, no, no brainer. No problem he's here. starting left tackle day one, and he's 25 years old, so he's exactly what they look for. Um, Easy pick. Strange strange dude. He kind of looks like he's got Giganta, Giganta syndrome, whatever that thing is so down under the, the giant head. I thought the Lions were going to go with more of an edge rusher here, but they take uh, Davis from Florida, and that, that's fine. You Certainly know, if, no problem there. I mean, he, he's again, like, Ruben he's Foster like could have gone he's here. He's the clean but, version of Ruben Foster yeah. as far as anybody knows. So, But I think he's a 10-year NFL starter who's going to a lot of tackles, and when you lose DeAndre Levy, you they need, need a guy to tackle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's a division where you're going to need a guy to tackle. So Dolphins come back with Charles Harris, uh, pretty solid end choice to complement Cameron Wake. You can never have enough pass rushers. They're building a solid defense. Uh, hard to complain with that pick from a value standpoint. You know, guys like uh, Takaris McKinley and Taco Charlton were still there, but McKinley's more of a three-four guy. Um, and I think that Harris is more of a straight 4-3, you know, hand in the ground and little undersized, which makes me worry. He's not a huge guy, uh, but he's fast. He's got some wiggle. Um, Evan Ingram comes back to the Giants. You know, the Ole Miss connection is huge between Eli Manning and Evan Ingram now. Well, I thought that they were going to take the other guy and uh, at the spot, so I like the tight end pick. That offense is going to get... Yeah, Giants, scary. Giants do have a history of drafting Njoku. And they already had a great defense, so the thing I is, think in, addressing the offense was the move here. And Njoku uh, has the body to block. He's just never shown the willingness. Yeah, so that sort of and that scares you off. Know, so. Right, it, it definitely does. And uh, the thing about Ingram is you don't look at him as a blocker. That's not even a consideration. But you look at the bodies they have now and the speed they have, and you throw him with Beckham and Brandon Marshall, it's an yeah, offense that ready. can get the, vertical very, the, very the quickly. NF, the NFC East is... Man, Eli Very likes good. throwing to a quarterback, and I think the Ole Miss connection is strong there. Ingram knows uh, Manning. They've had workouts together. Right, back Manning at likes Ole to Miss. throw to a t- tight end. Yes, absolutely. So Raiders go with uh, Gary and Conley. So this was uh, everybody took a deep breath here when we saw this. Um, boy, it's, you know it's he's much better than a twenty fourth pick in the draft. There's no question he could have gone as high as fourteen last week. The timing is just terrible for this guy. Uh, you know, obviously I'm not a investigator so i don't know what happened but by all accounts it doesn't look to see it doesn't seem like there's he, anything really he seems on like him he's, for turn, this. he's turning a lot over to the police very quick he's been cooperative was TMZ, also tmz had a video and it pretty much discredits what the girl was saying there's three so, witnesses and in, on top of that they the agent which was very smart in the situation immediately hired the most reputable lie detector company in the country brought him out had a full lie detection done on him, and then sent those results to all the teams. So if that and is sho- if that is true, that the Raiders absolutely got struck steal. gold. That's they exactly what they needed. It is they exactly what that team needed, and I mean they, they are got the number a good two team getting better. And 
I tell you, yeah, they're, a team was, to, they're a team to look at in the AFC, really. There's I mean, no question. I wouldn't be surprised at all if yeah. this kid's on that defense next year. You see them in the AFC Championship game. Sure, they're you know they're a, a healthy QB away from that. I think possibility this season so you know we'll see what happens uh next year and they still have more players to add in the draft so you know jabril, uh, jabril peppers goes to the browns there from the texans pick that they acquired in the trade with being the browns. you know interesting uh you know hugh jackson uh jackson came out today and said a uh, hugh jackson i was about to call him wolverine they should kind of say that right i mean shouldn't hugh jackson be nicknamed wolverine yeah, I mean, I'd, really, go like, I'd go with it. Yeah. So if you're out there, Hugh, and you're, a fan, of the, the first one if you're a fan of the Quizzo podcast, because we do have quite a contingent, you know, bringing it to trivia for a second, quite a contingent in Ohio that plays trivia on a weekly basis. So oh, you sure. never know. Um, anywho, Jabril Peppers. So a team that's going to have a role everything and they're taking a luxury pick here at 25. Well, it's really not, though, because he's going to be a player that has a chance to play all four downs for them. And what I mean by that is he's going to be a core special teamer, they said. Uh, he is going to play box safety in their uh, nick, strong nickel look. And a strong nickel basically meaning that they drop a linebacker out. So you have four defensive linemen, two linebackers. And then that third linebacker, which would normally be in a 4-3, is going to be a guy that can either drop as a safety or come as a blitzer. And he, he right, Well, let's just play ahead a little role. bit because... But, he, you know, but, but this was what was interesting. Right. He's also going to return... Okay. Oh, right, we know that. Yeah, sure. And he is also going to play running back for the Cleveland Browns. Okay, so, I believe it when I see it. I mean, that's interesting. Draft a running back if you need a running back. You're the Browns. You know what I mean? You got uh, a, a quarterback playing receiver last year. Uh, I don't know. First of all, if you like David, and I get his wrong and Joku and Joku, if you like him that much to trade up for him, why don't you like him enough at 25 to take him there? And that that's what I don't understand. You're you're not giving up depth. On your team, you know, you could be in the spot the Packers are right now, fielding phone calls over this pick, and instead, you're the Browns, and you, you know, you, you, I, I have to think that the only up guy, the only guy that the only team that I can see that would have drafted Peppers ahead of where the Browns were at pick one in the second round anyway. Um, so let's say they go with Njoku at pick twenty five, right? So right. you're. you're would be the Steelers, okay? Okay. So I can see where the Steelers could have been going for Njoku, right? That that would make a lot of sense because they don't have a good tight end situation. They need one. Uh, Ladarius Green's got the concussion history. You know, we know that, uh, that what's his name? Uh, I guess my point is they could have had in, in, Njoku there. So they're giving up depth. For Peppers, essentially. I mean, they're giving it up for both of them, but... Well, no, no, okay, so you know, following to, to your get... logic, though, they take Njoku at 25, no problem there. I don't see anybody taking Peppers. Like, maybe the Steelers? Uh, if the Packers had taken him, I would have been very upset in that spot. I, I don't think he would have been a Packers player. He doesn't fit their defensive scheme at all. That's not... That's not the... He fits what Greg Williams does. So, the reason why he... Th- this pick was made, I think, by the defensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns, Greg Williams, because he fits what they do. If you look at what the Rams have done historically, they have a get-after-you 4-3 front that brings a lot of pressure. This guy allows a little bit of flexibility in that when they bring the uh, extra linebacker off and an extra lineman on. Because you could do a 5-2 look, right? 5-2 is five defensive linemen, two linebackers, and then you don't know if Peppers is a safety or a linebacker. So, it does, it does open up some possibilities for what he wants to do. But at the same time, it's just it, it's it's a head scratcher to a large extent because most likely he would have been there anyway, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you don't need to give up stuff when you're in that position. So, 
All right, Browns do what the Browns do, and they and they add those players with Peppers and Njoku. Uh, Falcons come back with McKinley. I think that's a, a situation where if he went to the wrong team, he might not have had a great career, but he's going to the right team. I think this is just a great pick for the Falcons. It is. And he's a perfect compliment. I am scared of those two Beasley led me. the league in Oof. sacks last year. He's an up-and-comer. You know, McKinley is a again, great compliment. And, and, you can't double-team them both, folks. Right. So throw he's three very to large the perfect men up situation, front. and teams are going to be throwing a lot against the Falcons because their offense is so great. Yep. So you just have and perfect. Top, it's it's uh, you're going to have a, a very strong pass rush is what you're going to have coming out of Atlanta. So Bills uh, in their pick, I see. I think the if they're if the Niners did number one in terms of business, I think the Bills did number two in terms. It doesn't come out right. <laughs> <laughs> they did the business. Now, yeah, this is, yeah, yeah. This but, but to they're, me they're is they're a starting corner. Um, they've addressed it already. It's what they needed. Let, the, let's face the it. The Bills needed a starting cornerback. They lost Gilmore to the Patriots, which was, you know, arguably, I think to an extent, almost a smart move because when you're a team that's not really ready to win, they're being honest with themselves saying, are we going to be better suited paying a guy $18.5 million to be a cornerback on a team that's kind of an 8-8 eight and eight team? Or are we better getting this guy yeah. for $2.5 million makes total and then, sense. you know, rebuilding our depth and, and Right, everything by the time else. the Bills are going to be good, Gilmore is they're not. going to need that money yeah, to pay somebody and, and else. And he's 20, you know, he's going into the end of that. You're right. just not going to, it does It does not make any sense. So I think the Bills did the right thing. And that trade was great because they got uh, a ton of stuff, set themselves up for the future, have the Chiefs number one next year. There's a lot that they're getting out of that deal that's going to help that team down the road. And, you know, they didn't really... They're one of those teams that needs everything, but they don't need anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're just like, you don't really know what they need. They should just keep adding good pieces, and, and this was a solid decision. Um, the Steelers come back with, you know, I think a guy that's just a stealer. Uh, TJ Watt seems to me very much like what the Steelers Yeah, uh, what did you think after. about the um, taco oh, Cowboys. Pick. I'm sorry, sorry. We skipped right over. The, you know, I was seeing that the, uh, uh, right, we the, skipped Browns, the Browns. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, because we already talked about gotcha. it. The Cowboys, yeah. So... Uh, I don't like Taco Charlton. I wasn't a fan of him, but I think he's at least in the right defensive fit from a system standpoint. Um, yeah, but, but how great would T.J. Watt be there? Well, that's who I mocked. That's I, who I, I mocked. The difference is Charlton is a absolute for sure four three end who's hand in the ground the entire time on the line. Watt isn't a four three anything. He's a three four edge rushing outside linebacker, but he's certainly not a defensive end. And I don't think he's a will. So when I really thought about that, that you know, pick, I was kind of looking at the novelty be, before I looked at the fit because you know the brothers in Texas, the great rivalry, and he's a, a leader of the defense. But they don't run a three-four, and Watt is really a three-four player, and that's why he's going to be a great stealer because he can play anywhere in the three-four. He can play the inside, he can play the outside. Um, you know, he's not a Mike, but he's definitely. Uh, uh, Will or Sam in, in a 3 4 situation. All right, well, the Cowboys so. have done so well in the draft. Uh, who am I to criticize them? It's a good but, pick. man, were the Steelers happy it's, to see TJ Watt fall to them at 30? If Taco, Taco Charlton stays motivated, then he can be a very, very good defensive end. Um, the problem is he doesn't stay motivated, at least in games that I've watched. He he tails off constantly. So it's, it's one of those things where I, I want to see if that's a guy that. I felt you... that the Cowboys needed more than anything a pass rush. He's not that at, right, and that and that's just surprised. But, that that's what surprised me about. Yeah, the pass. He, he's if not. If I looked at the Cowboys' defense last year and I said, "What is the thing missing from this team?" I would have said they're really not getting at he, the quarterback. He's and, built like Mario Williams, which is what makes him so appealing. But he just he doesn't have any of that. 
you know. Right. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what he brings to the table. But here's one thing I can say about Taco Charlton that the Cowboys are going to love. He stops the run. Yeah. <laughs> so that's at least one thing that you can point to that he's going to do very well. He stops the run. Uh, we, we already talked about the Steelers with T.J. Watt. So Niners, of course, come back after getting top guy on the board. What a Solomon dream. Thomas. Uh, you come back with Reuben Foster in the se- just, at the bottom half you of the first round. Forget about moving the ball up front against these guys. I mean, they're starting to. D- Last year they had Buckner. They had the other kid from uh, Oregon. Yeah, they, so they got two, these two monster two defensive in a row ends. defensive ends from. And now you throw Solomon Oregon. Thomas on the interior. They're going to put together a very solid four three front. They just need a nice big fat nose uh, to keep the guy off, and then let Reuben Foster take everything in sight down. But this was this guy reeks of Patrick Willis. Yeah, exactly what you're looking for a a end to end tackler who could play multiple different positions on on the I mean, linebacker front. Is the guy going to have the leadership that Willis had? I mean, he was the no. core of that defense. No, but by all accounts, uh, Foster was a strong vocal presence there, and I think that that organization is starting to show the leadership. Like now, to me. When I think of where the leadership comes from in the San Francisco Forty ers I think of John Lynch. So, I, I, and that's an amazing thing that a guy can bring uh, like him with that credibility. So, good for them, and it's nice to have the Niners back. They're one of those franchises you just don't want to suck. You know what I mean? You want them to be good. It makes the whole NFL better. Um, New Orleans Saints finished up the first round with Ryan Ramzik, the tackle from Wisconsin. You know, we we said they had to go defense both picks, but at the same time. You get a franchise left tackle, the potential for a franchise left tackle, and you're kind of iffy on where that spot is, and you have huge salary cap issues, huge salary cap issues. Now, the thing is, last uh, I think last year or the season before, they gave a huge extension to their left tackle, who was the third-round pick from Arkansas State a couple years ago, um, turned into a hell of a prospect. Uh, I don't think they can afford him. I think that's why they made this pick. I think next year, because of what Breeze wants, and if they keep him and they got other needs on defense— I think they're going to end up getting rid of their starting left tackle if Ramsey can come along, and that's why you make this pick because now you have Ramsey under contract for five years plus potential uh, franchise in the sixth. All so. right, so I, I hear what you're saying, and I hate this pick. Um, now, you don't have a team if you don't have Drew Brees upright, so I do understand that. This team is only going to go as far as Drew Brees takes them, but how many times can you lose 40-38 to 38 on Drew Brees' arm? That offense is going to get it done one way or the other, with Ryan Ramzik or without. I, I just, you got it. Oh, there's so much defensive talent for the Saints. Now, they do have another pick, and if they go offense with that next pick coming up, you know, I'll be uh, really upset. But, man, with the amount of defensive talent, I saw them getting three starters in this draft, and now that's going to be you know, almost impossible. So, you know, good, good player. Uh, certainly nothing against him, but... I think Drew Brees was going to get it done with or without Ryan Ramsey on the line. Well, what's interesting is, uh, you know, right now I'm looking at uh, at the starting uh, the starting lineup of the New Orleans Saints. They don't have a left tackle even listed. So maybe so, the need is way higher than right. I... Right. I mean, they have Andrews Pete. They got so. listed as a left hey, listen, guard. You need a left tackle in football. Yeah, so they if have... That, if the uh, need was that high... Zach why Street, you let yourself Jahari get to Evans that point? And Max Unger, they don't have a left... Uh, they don't have a left guard list, or left tackle listed. So... That's a problem. All right. Well, no you, pressure on the kid. Step in there day one and make sure you protect Drew because he is the uh, he's the franchise. Yeah, I could have sworn. Now, it drives me crazy because I know they have a uh, – oh, there it is, Teron Armstead. Yeah, so Teron Armstead is only 26 years old. He's their starting left tackle. Um, so what are they doing? 
uh, he was third round from Arkansas State, pick se- uh, pick seventy five. But he signed. But did an you extension. see Drew Brees running for his life last year at all? Because I didn't. No. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't. It's, it's a little bit of a head scratcher to be honest with you, because he seems like uh, that seems like the starting the, five. The Colts are drafting defense, and I like the player they got, but. This could, the Colts are drafting this, defense, and the Saints are drafting offense. I can, I can offense. tell you why, Nick. I can tell you why. Very simply, um, Armstead, huge injury his, uh, issues, okay. okay, and only started seven games last year because of injuries. So I think they're looking at a you situation You can't get a backup where, tackle in the second round? Well, well no, left, I, wanted them, tackle, I wanted them to go. I wanted them to left go. Left tackle is not defense, something defense, you defense. can play without, and I think they probably had a year of Andrews Pete filling in at left tackle and realized that guy's a guard. He's not a tackle, and he's not going to be fast enough to keep Breeze up. Who right. are they paying, I mean, besides Breeze, so much money that they can't – they've got a young receiver. They've right. got – Yeah, it's true. Uh, who are they paying? Well – That they couldn't go out and – I think they have an insane amount of dead money. <laughs> uh, right. But you're right. They, you know, it doesn't seem like their roster has any real talent on no. it that they're uh, that they're it paying. Seems like Every, they're riding uh, Breeze. Yeah. So, well, that does it for the uh, first round recap. We're very much looking forward to rounds two and three. If All right, we before can. we sign off, I just yeah. want to hand it to Vegas. Man, do these guys get it right or what? Oh long? my God! SEC over under eleven and a half. Folks, don't go gamble because <laughs> you're giving them the money. They you're, got you're it. Handing it to they them. got it right at twelve. I mean, unbelievable. The guys that are setting these lines. They must be MIT, right? These are the the fa- these are the smartest, fastest I, brains in our country, I right? Just, I really you think they're building rockets. They're no. setting these lines. Yeah, I don't know where they like how they can possibly. QB's be over under three and a half. This I mean, insanely Kaiser's accurate. probably going to be number four and pick thirty three, right? So right. it's just tremendous uh, running backs over under two and a half. There's three. No, I mean, none of these bets. Oh, no, were there easy. was two. I mean, they missed by a half a point on almost none every of, line. None of these were easy. So yeah, even Vegas when they went SEC versus Pac twelve, at. Uh, you know, five and a half guys for the Pac-12. It was exactly six. So I mean, they're getting it versus conferences. Yeah, it doesn't make any on sense the, on the nose. And here I am, every every guy coming off the board. I'm surprised. Oh, ooh, but <laughs> they know what they're doing there. <laughs> Vegas is like, and that, you you almost wonder like if it's all orchestrated to that insane extent. <laughs> know, like I always I have this idea in my head that they have this like secret initiation with every one of these players, coaches, managers, and and it's like, look, if you ever say a word about this, you will just end up in a gutter. Right. You won't this is what's really happening at Skull and Bones in Yale. You're getting inducted into this This is how it right. works. And you'll, you, you know, you're, like in 2027, the Cleveland Browns are going to win the Super Bowl. And like, you know, in 1981, it was decided the Chicago Cubs are going to win the rights to the 2016 World Series. Yeah. You never it's, know. It's too amazing to, for it to be chance. Yeah, it's, it is. So, um, all right. That's, I hope you like the recap for uh, the first round of uh, the NFL draft we're going to do. I assume a recap in the near future, probably before the next podcast of the rest of the draft. Uh, so we'll do part two of this and then get them all up there. Okay. Uh, but we're going to have this recap loaded up, and uh, hopefully it makes it out to the uh, – uh, to the world at large. But uh, again, thanks to uh, Russell Baxter, ProFootballGuru.com, for all the insight he gave us there and uh, the other folks we spent uh, the draft with, uh, draft with, which we will give shout-outs to next time as well. And uh, that's it. Everybody stay safe out there, and good luck to your team in rounds two and three. This has been the Quizzo Trivia Podcast. Visit us online at quizzopodcast.com for more information. Medulla oblongata.
You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. Playoffs? We're talking about playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Here we are. I'm out of my third pole board. We're talking about our idiot kicker who got liquored up and ran his mouth off. Uh, what does the sports world come to? We're talking about idiot kickers. He has ruined kickers for life. Acres and Vinatieri, you guys are great guys. They've been getting killed all week with our idiot ran his mouth. So I get all my Good chicken. He's a good chicken, but he's an idiot. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I don't think so. Winner, winner, sheen dinner.